You have knit your people together in one communion in the mystical body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Grant us grace to follow your blessed saints in lives of faith and commitment, and to know the inexpressible joys you have prepared for those who love you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May be The epistle lesson this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 to 23. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined accordingly, according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. According to St. Luke, chapter 6, verses 20 through 31. Glory to you, Then Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now. 
for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to false, the false prophets. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the word of the Lord. Seated. Um, I'd like to welcome um, any of my young friends that are here to just do to. Uh, we're going to talk quickly about something important to all of us. How are all you guys today? Excellent. So, um, Halloween just passed, right? Everybody got done with trick-or-treating? Because of the rain, you got more trick-or-treating to do? I didn't do it. No, you didn't do it? My grandchildren in, in Catasauqua, they, theirs wasn't until last night because of the rain. So, now we're, I think we're officially done in, in the Lehigh Valley with that. What's the next one that comes, the next big day that comes? Yes, Molly? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And what do we eat on Thanksgiving? Well, most of us do, right? Some people eat um, uh, the vegetarian version of turkey. Some people can't stand turkey. Other people, like me, love turkey. <laughs> My two-year-old granddaughter gets very used to get when she was small. Four-year-old granddaughter when she was two. She got really upset with my wife because my wife wanted to take the Halloween decorations down and put the Thanksgiving decorations up, and that wasn't good because she liked the Halloween decorations more than the Thanksgiving decorations. So she would go around the house going, no turkeys, no turkeys. <laughs> so this has now turned into um, Grandma and, and Sage have made up, and, tur- and Sage buys Grandma turkeys <laughs> to decorate. So it, it, it's a good thing. And I think today is the day that the Halloween stuff comes down and the turkeys go up. So. so when we think about Thanksgiving too, what, what's, the, what's the most important part of the word in Thanksgiving? Well, there's two parts of it. Yeah, but what's the... Thanks and giving. Thanks and giving both, yeah, good. good. Um, so we regularly give thanks for things. We've already done that in the service. And so how do we do that in other ways? Does it make you feel good? Like if you're, if you're going into a store and your mom says to you, hold that door for that lady. And then that, that lady says thank you to you. Does that make you feel good? Yes. Yeah. And so does that make you think about doing that yourself the next time? That you, you, you might go, oh yeah, maybe I should hold that door. And then you feel really good again when they say thank you again, right? Um, the other one that always gets me is I wrestle with, should I give that person that seems like they're homeless with the sign on the side of the road, should I give them a dollar? Or are they just going to use it for something stupid? And, and then when you give it to them and they get tears in their eyes and they say thank you and God bless you. I feel like a t- both. I feel wonderful, and I feel like a total toad all at the same time. So think about things that you're thankful for. So and, and let's hear some of them. Just say them. Just um, I'll call on you. Raise your hand. What are you thankful for? 
Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Food. Asher, what are you thankful for? All right. Excellent. Yes. Family. Anybody else? God. All right. Go ahead, everyone. And then you. Family. Family. Awesome. Yes. Not being homeless. Absolutely wonderful. Yep. We have to be thankful for all those things, and we have to remember to thank God for all those things. Um, I'm thankful for my wife, Diane, because she loves me no matter what, what, a, what a turkey I could be. She loves turkeys, by the way, so that's good. Um, and uh, my grandchildren, who love me unconditionally most of the time. And um, I always give thanks to God every Sunday before I start the service for the privilege of being called to be the pastor of this church. That's important for all of you to hear. And because I know that I've been called to this place at this time to do this. So um, you guys all already talked about what you're thankful for. So what we're going to do is we're going to end up with one of my famous line-out prayers, right? So I'm going to say it, and you all say it behind me. Okay, here we go. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For all that you are. For all that you are. For me. For me. And for my family. For my family. And for my church. And for the community we live in. And for the whole world. Thank you. To all who help and assist. Thank you for Jesus. And thank you for loving me. Just as I am. Amen. So in addition to how appropriate it is to hear those little ones say thank you, right, in that way, how appropriate is it that the gospel lesson... Today, capturing Jesus' Beatitudes is occurring on the Sunday we set aside to honor all the saints, especially this morning those who have died in the last year. All of the others through the decades and indeed centuries for fulfilling their baptisms too, that great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. Those living saints, you know who I'm talking about, who we see around us every day. And as we equip ourselves by visiting together the table of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in a few minutes, we remember and renew and fill up for our continued journey of faith and service out beyond our walls and into the world. As you heard in the Gospel lesson, the words familiar to many of us are those same words that are so often misinterpreted for our own use, misinterpreted for our convenience, it seems sometimes, often just to make us feel good. You know, blessed are, or in some translations, happy are. As my friend Bonilia Shakur says, God help us, happy are. Instead of the challenge I believe Christ is giving to most of to, to his most loyal followers, his disciples then and his disciples today, that's you and me, you know. We all take Jesus' sermon, Jesus' message. We take it as a compliment for the great work that we're doing. A pat on the back from Jesus, but not so fast. You see, I've been told that when you read these same Beatitudes in the Aramaic translation of the Bible, the language that we believe that Jesus spoke while on earth, 
These same words are tra- are, that, that we translate as blessed are and happy are become, come on, get up and do something. Don't just sit there. Can't you see the poor are, who need your help? And y'all need to become peacemakers, not peace contemplators. That's the challenge that I hear from the, from the Beatitudes, these, this amazing sermon of Jesus. And the challenge that I'm suggesting that clearly present to us and represent for us. For you see, I believe that this is much more than, much more about Jesus challenging his disciples in their time and Jesus challenging all of us who claim to be his disciples today. These be attitudes are so much more than just a statement of the world turned upside down. Where those who mourn are comforted rather than abandoned or merely pitied. Where those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are satisfied, not ignored or shouted down. Where the meek inherit the earth rather than being ground into the dust. Another angle on the meaning Jesus was trying to make plain to his disciples in this message or sermon comes from the late Presbyterian pastor, Reverend Jorge Laura Broad. He reminds us that in his native tongue, in in the Spanish translation of the passage, the word for blessed is biaventuranza. Biaventuranza, meaning literally, good adventure to you. So with that in mind, listen to the Reverend Jorge's paraphrase of this passage. Good adventure to you, whose hearts are genuinely with the poor. You are under God's protective rule. Good adventure to you, who are without power. The whole world shall be yours. Good adventure to you, who are hungry and thirsty for justice. Your cup will be filled. Good adventure to you, who look for truth with singleness of heart. You shall see God. Good adventure to you who work for peace. You shall be called children of God. Good adventure to you who are persecuted for the sake of justice. You too are already under God's protective rule. Rejoice. Be very happy when others say evil things about you falsely because you are mine. God is preparing a great reward for you. Do not be surprised. Prophets have already always been an endangered species. End quote. When you think of it, there have been relatively few people who have accepted Jesus' invitation to the life of beatitude, as presented here and in other teachings. But if it were not for these few who actually did accept that invitation to a life of beatitude, we would have lost confidence in what the early believers could really do. Who We would also have lost faith in the God of life, the God who gives life and breath, the God who breathes breath into life. Because you see, as Christians, we're not superheroes, contrary to what some people think that we are. In fact, as Christians, we often feel wounded. As Christians, we feel the weight of the cross that we bear. Often we cry, and we too often think we have already lost the battle. But that's okay because we're humans. But more importantly, because God also became human in the person of Jesus Christ, it's okay because Christ cried on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So even the person of Jesus doubted. It's okay because Christ cried in front of the tomb of Lazarus when he found out that Lazarus was dead. 
He was just being human like you and me. But please also remember, in Christ, hope receives new meaning. Hope is no longer that tomorrow is going to be better. Hope is not that progress is expected. Hope is not that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And hope is not that they, that all we do, all we have to do is sit back and wait. How many people around the world, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Syria, in Yemen, in Gaza, in the West Bank, in Africa, in Chile, in Venezuela, in Hong Kong, in Philly, in Allentown, in Bethlehem, in Easton, in Camden, in Chicago, or Washington, D.C., or Baltimore, or Detroit, or New York City, and in many other places, in rural places too, too many other places around the world. How many people are sitting and waiting for salvation? Sitting and waiting for a better world to come. Sitting and waiting to hope for, for, to, for hope to come riding on a white horse to take them away and us away from all the misery of our world. Sitting and waiting to take us away to a place where there's no pain, no hate, no tears. And where there is peace and justice and equity and food and comfort for all God's children. Did you hear what one of our young friends said? They they, they gave thanks that they weren't hungry and they gave thanks that they weren't homeless. Some people don't have the chance to do that. We're grateful to God for all that we have. But sometimes we take that for granted. As Christians, we should not and cannot be spectators in this world anymore. But we must become actors on Christ's behalf. Action takers on Christ's behalf. Actors and action takers with hope who bring about the change that Christ represents for others and for the world. Especially for the least of these. There are times when we feel that the world in which we live has become a kind of hell. Depressing with no progress and no hope. But our faith is that in Christ, who is life, overcomes all. Our call is not to transform this kind of hell into a paradise. Our call is to transform this kind of hell into a world in which life is possible again. Did you get that? Our call is not to transform this kind of hell into a paradise. Our call is to transform this kind of hell into a world in which life is possible again. Christian hope is rooted in the fact that it's never too late for faith in action and for acts of compassion. Christian hope is not about surrendering to the forces of death and despair, but challenging them. Christian hope is all about calling upon those in the valleys of the shadow of death to come forth. Because there is the one who is the resurrection and the life. The one who can redeem, who came to redeem us from all our sin, even when our actions or our lack of action seems to make it impossible. At times when there is a strong feeling that the world might be coming to an end tomorrow. When too many of us seem to live in fear of all sorts of things, of all sorts of evil that seems to be all around us sometimes. Our call is not to wait, not to cry, not to surrender. But rather to go out today into our garden. Into the garden called our society, our world. The world in which we live and work. And sow seeds of peace. Jesus said, happiness has nothing to do with wealth, education, health, job, kids, success, failure, inner joy. has to do with the beatitudes. The attitudes of being. The basic attitudes for life and living. So, on this All Saints Sunday, we remember 
We remember the saints who have gone before us. But we also begin to understand that our beatitude, the attitude of being and walking with God, is something we need to work out for ourselves, each one of us. Don't let anybody tell you what your beatitude should be. You know what it is. It's between you and God, not anybody else. And when we work it out and begin to adopt this way of life, and when we walk with the Lord, we begin to understand what we have been called to do. You see, saints are those who walk with Jesus. And it follows then that to be a saint is to live with the Beatitudes in your heart. To be a saint is to live the Beatitudes in your heart. Oh, that's so hard, isn't it? But we pray this day for each other. We pray for our own. And we pray for all those that we've loved and have gone on before us. All of those witnesses who are all around us today, listening to us, hearing us, reminding us who they are, whose they are, and why we continue to do what we do in this way. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Just such a beautiful way to express what we're about to do to honor those who died in this last year, but also to honor those saints who have gone before us. And on this sacred soil, including the, the native people who we honor so greatly with the monument back in our cemetery. Just think about that. You are the result of the love of thousands. Isn't that amazing? The litany of thanksgiving for the blessed ones. Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the dominion of God. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you and defame you on the account of the human one. Jesus named the blessed ones. On this day of remembrance, let us recall and give thanks for those blessed ones who have gone before us. Minerva Freeze. Age 100. December 28, 2018. Lawrence P. LaFriend. Age 77. January 18, 2019. Janice Ritter. Age 85. January 31st. 
2019. Gerald Fiddler. February 4th, 
Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. To shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace.